May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Many years ago, uh, shortly after I was ordained, in fact, I got a book called This Odd and Wondrous Calling. It was basically a series of reflections by two uh, clergy people uh, with considerable life experience, suffice to say, about the life of being a minister, an ordained clergy person. And one of the reflections I remember rather distinctly because it was the reflection of the more senior of the two clergy people talking about the day that he had to say goodbye to his congregation. And he preached a sermon, and I guess because it was his last day, he decided to preach a sermon about his faith story and why it was important. But what I remember more is the reaction that that got, because he says after, you know, after he got through that and everything else, he was standing at the door, shaking, at the end of the service, shaking people's hands like you do, and a woman rushed up to him and said, that was wonderful. Why did you never tell us that before? Now, I had just been ordained, so my natural response as a young person, knew, well, a newly ordained person who knew it all was, what a slacker preacher. How can you serve a congregation week in, week out for years and years and never tell them why the life of faith is so important? What kind of preacher was that after all? Well, that was many years ago. I'm a little bit more sanguine now, and I realize that there are times that, you, that it's harder to work why faith is important into the sermon, because you have to talk about things that are going on in the life of the parish, or you have to go talk about things that are going on in the life of the world, or quite honestly, there are weeks that the lectionary just hands you clunkers, and it's hard to come up with good news out of any of what you got. <laughs> you remember those sermons. <laughs> And so you can imagine my trepidation as I realized this was going to be my last sermon to you all. As I looked at the lectionaries and started praying, what on earth would I get? And I found the mother load. No, really. The challenge and the reward of the life of faith in one metaphor given to us by Jesus. Because I will admit, this idea of putting on the yoke was something that as a young adult in particular, I both absolutely loved and resisted with every fiber of my being, all at the same time. Take my yoke upon you, I'll come to me all who travail and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. These are the words that we recited pretty much every week when I was in my 20s, at the end of choir practice when we read uh, Compline together. And as I was in my early 20s, I was struggling with all of the things that you suddenly realize you have to do when you are in your 20s, like pay bills and pay rent 
and try to figure out what's going on and how to, do, how to live and everything else, all of that seemed so incredibly burdensome, especially when you're working a couple of minimum wage jobs, that the idea of throwing all those burdens on Jesus and having, taking all that weight off my shoulders was incredible. I loved that part of that gospel. And then I got to the part where Jesus says, take my yoke upon me, and I go, what? Because to me, yokes were not about lightning burdens. And so I got confused. Part of why I was confused, I will admit, is because I'm Dutch. And so when I heard the word yoke, I thought about this thing, because this is what yokes mean. It's that big wooden thing that you carry across your shoulders and it's got like a little string on either end of it and then it's attached to a bucket so that you can carry water or for my people, milk, big heavy containers of milk. In fact, hey look, that might be one of my ancestors right there carrying a yoke. This to me was symbolic of picking up weight, not casting it away. And so I thought that this is Jesus doing some kind of really cruel bait and switch. This is the opposite of taking a rest from a heavy burden. This is picking it up. And Jesus leaving me to do it all. How is this any different from what the rest of the world offers, I wondered, as a 20-something-year-old? I mean, here I am trying to struggle between two or three jobs, trying to pay the rent, trying to finish grad school, trying to start a career, trying to figure out what the logical next step is and how I'm supposed to... The world was throwing enough burdens on me I didn't want to pick up anymore. My burdens were feeling heavier all the time. But that's not the kind of yoke that Jesus was talking about. Jesus is talking about this kind of yoke. When I went to Nebraska, I, learned, I saw these a lot more. These are the kinds of yokes that you use to, tie, to get, connect two oxen or two horses or two donkeys, any kind of animal, really. You can connect two of them carrying this yoke on your shoulders. Farmers use these all the time, especially in Jesus' time, but even today, to try to hitch two animals to a plow or to get them to, carry, to drag a cart along. But here I again still had the same problem, which was that a yoke was something you used to l- drag a burden behind you, a plow or a cart or something like that. And even worse, this kind of yoke forever ties you to the other animal. At least with this milkmaid's yoke, you're out on your own. You can decide which way you want to go. You can determine the best course. Here you are forever stuck with this other guy. That didn't seem to be very comforting either. I kept waiting for the part where Jesus would make my burdens lighter, but it was perhaps appropriately in Nebraska that a priest explained to me the point of the yoke. He says, the interesting thing is, if you take two animals of different sizes, like this one, where you've got the young ox and the older ox, I'll walk to the back so you can see it, 
If you take a young animal and you yoke it to an older animal, because of the way the yoke works, the bulk of the weight will naturally fall on the bigger animal because it's a rigid thing, so there's not as much weight on the younger animal. And in fact, my friend the priest in Nebraska said, this is actually how, how people train younger animals to do work, is they hitch them up to a yoke with an older, more experienced animal, an animal that's used to, sat, to carrying all these burdens, so that the younger animal learns to follow along, to the, do the work that it was meant to do. That is what Jesus is talking about. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you because Jesus can pick up all that extra weight. Jesus is big enough to carry all those burdens. The catch, of course, the struggle is to get the animals to take on the yoke. And the struggle is for us to do the same. In the gospel today, Jesus is trying to encourage commitment. To get, encourage people to come up off the sidelines and take that leap, that walk of faith. Because faith is not a one-time decision. It is a road that you walk in companionship with Jesus. Jesus offers us companionship for everything, for moments of joy and dancing, moments of sorrow and mourning. He is willing to walk that road, but we need to be able to commit to it, to respond to that call. And if that was hard to do 2,000 years ago, it's perhaps even harder to do now. Because we, like animals, don't like to be constrained, to be limited, we fight against it. Let's face it, we all know people who can't even commit to turning on the blinker that says they'll make a right turn up at that light there. Because we all know that, who knows, by the time we get to the, right, the light, maybe the right turn isn't the right way to go. We always want to keep our options open in case that situation changes. And so we don't want to be yoked even to Jesus because we're afraid that that road that we will go on, that tie that will bind us, will lead us to places where we feel hurt or overburdened. But the fact is that being yoked to God puts us in closer, closer relationship with the one who created us and who knows what us best. It means going on, following on the path to get to know God better to become the one that we were created to be. The yoke Jesus offers us lightens the load for what we were meant to do anyway and keeps us from getting off the track. Because let's face it, we're not really choosing between taking on a yoke or not taking on a yoke. What we're really choosing is between being yoked to God we're taking on this milkmaid's yoke and doing it all ourselves. Between following the one who will lead us to paths where we were meant to go versus carrying these heavy burdens all by ourselves and having to figure it out on our own.
Jesus tells us to take on this yoke because his burdens are lighter than the ones the world will put on to us. A few hundred years later, St. Augustine says something similar when he says that the only choice to follow God, only the choice to follow God leads to complete freedom because it leads us down the road where we were meant to be. Once we know who we truly are in God, those other decisions become so much easier. And so it's no surprise that for hundreds of years, hundreds of years later, Christian mystics kept telling us to, de to declutter, to get beyond the commotion of daily life, and to connect more fully with God. Because the further we go along that road with God, the more we understand who we are and who God made us to be. Today, Elizabeth and Quinn will be baptized into this community. They will be marked as Christ's own and known to us as beloved children of God. And we, as that community, will help them and promise to help them in their life of faith. And we will all renew our baptismal covenants, striving again and again to cast off what is unimportant and to promise to walk a little further down our own road with God, becoming the beloved people God always meant us to be by casting aside distractions and committing our lives to God. We are all beloved children of God wonderfully made in our own way. We are called to do God's work, to share that love with others, recognizing that everyone has that is also beloved of God. This is the most important work that there is. We are joined in a community that helps share our burdens and reminds us of who we are. These are the most important messages that there are. And my hope is that you've heard me proclaim them fairly frequently over the last few years, because I will proclaim them today. And I hope you will proclaim them always. Amen.